I'll be reading scripture from the first chapter of Luke, verses 39 to 45. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. This is the reading of God's word. Thanks for that, Doris. And I want to echo her thanks for, for all the people doing music this morning. This has been already uh, a rich time of worship for me. Um, this, this week was, uh, was a difficult one for me, as I, as I just said before. And, you know, sometimes we, uh, we get a little bit narrow in our focus and we sort of think that everybody else is, is thinking what we are thinking um, or that they should be feeling what we are, are feeling. And um, <clears throat> that, that happens to us in, in good times and in bad. When we're in love, we don't know why everybody else isn't in love. Uh, when we are, uh, when we're in a bad mood, then we think everybody else is in a bad mood. Uh, and when we're feeling pain, uh, we sort of think everybody else is feeling pain or should be feeling pain. And um, <clears throat> yeah, yesterday at uh, at the airport on the way here, uh, it's there were some people who were feeling a lot more pain at the delayed flights than, than the rest of us, and they were confused why we weren't all as irritable and, uh, and indignant as the rest. Um, but Christmas is supposed to be a, a happy time, we think, and so when it isn't, then everything seems a little bit off kilter. Everything seems a little bit out of whack. But there's a lot of pain in the Christmas story, and as I was reading through the passages this week, it sort of became, uh, it hit home a little bit more. Uh, when, I was, <clears throat> when I was a kid, there was a commercial on TV, and it went something like this. Uh, there were uh, a bunch of kids, <clears throat> and they had these kids talking about uh, diseases that their younger siblings had. And <clears throat> this was uh, they were trying to effectively kind of create a contrast here, how um, here, is, here are these children who are sweet and innocent and, and simple-minded, and yet here are these diseases that are complex with big words uh, and, and multi-leveled treatment. And so the children would explain uh, that their younger sister had a disease and she needed this medication and she was young. And they would, the next one would explain the other disease and all of the things that they needed to do for their younger brother. 
And it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking to see that these kids who should be playing games with their younger siblings were now somehow absorbing the needlessly complex information about the disease. And then at the end, it said some, some people know nothing at all about kidney disease. It might have been liver disease. It might have been something else. Some people know nothing at all about kidney disease. Some people know way too much. So these kids had simply found themselves in a situation where they were learning about pain. And there was something wrong with that, it seems. And the kids spoke about these diseases as though it was normal. And to us, there was a contrast. This should not be normal for these, for these children. Um, I haven't seen that commercial for a long time, but it's, it's stuck with me. And uh, this week, especially ta- talking to my sister... Uh, so she's, she's trained as a massage therapist, so she's, she's pretty familiar with medical terminology. Um, but before all of this happened, she didn't know about the complexities of premature birth. She didn't know the various ways that being born premature interfered with the development of all sorts of organs. She didn't know what happened inside of the neonatal intensive care unit at the hospital. And if you had asked her if she would voluntarily go there and see what it was like, she would probably say no, that it sounded like a scary place. And it is. And also sad and stressful. But if you hear her talk about the place where she got the bad news about her daughter... If you hear her talk about the place where she watched her daughter suffer and, and p- try to pull away tubes and pipes that were supposed to be helping her, she will say that it was a beautiful place. She will say that it was filled with well-meaning, skilled, loving medical professionals. And she'll tell you about the community that built up between the parents of these children who were staying there. Some people know almost nothing about premature birth. And some people know way too much. Um, Pain sort of works like that. That there are some of us who feel pain uh, a lot and all the time, and we know the various complexities that inform that pain. And we look around and we know there are people around us who know nothing about that pain. And we don't know if we should tell them or not. Uh, There are a lot of diseases like that. Um, But there are some diseases, too, that people, uh, even medical professionals, didn't know anything about, didn't know enough about. Uh, One of those is leprosy. There are a few stories about lepers in the Bible. And up until uh, surprisingly recently in human history... Um, social leaders, political leaders, thought that leprosy was a contagious disease and the people who had it needed to be sent away and avoided as much as possible. Uh, Even religious leaders, uh, including the Jewish leaders we read about in the Bible and uh, religious leaders from other faith communities, thought that this was some sort of a, 
a, a mark on, on the person who had it, that there was something about them that made them contaminated spiritually, that they were unclean. And so since they were unclean, they couldn't participate in uh, larger community functions. And so these people were sent away, and in a lot of places in the world, lepers are still sent away. And so in the stories, uh, Jesus would come into these communities, he would heal the lepers, and in doing that, he would not just take away their disease, but he would restore them in the community. That he would restore their place in society where they could be received and celebrated as equals. He would restore the dignity that they had lost. Because instead of having dignity, they had shame. But it wasn't just the social and religious leaders who got leprosy wrong. The doctors got leprosy wrong. You see, the doctors thought that leprosy was a disease of the muscles, of the organs, or something... And that the longer people had leprosy, their, their body would get weaker, their organs would cease to function properly, and their skin would weaken and cover with, with boils and, and other marks. Uh, but surprising, surprising that it took this long, the doctors have, have recently discovered something else about leprosy. Leprosy is a disease of the nervous system. So leprosy doesn't affect the muscles first. Leprosy affects the nerves. And, and what that means is people with leprosy, don't, uh, their nerve endings don't function properly, meaning they don't feel pain like they're supposed to. Uh, with people with, with leprosy, they don't feel pain at the right times, and they don't feel pain at the wrong time. So at some level, we think, boy, that would kind of be nice not to feel pain. But there are lots of times we need pain. Uh, from time to time, uh, when I'm cooking, and the, the pot is boiling, and the bubbles are coming out, and it's making a big mess, I need to go and I need to take the lid off. Well, I will reach for it instinctively, right up until the point where my hand is experiencing so much pain that I know the lid is too hot for me to touch, and I will pull back. And I'll get an oven mitt or a tea towel or something because my body has learned through the message of pain not to touch that. Sometimes I, I stick a key in a lock and I try to open the door and I will turn the key either until the door opens or until the pain in my fingers tells me this key is not moving and you're going to hurt yourself and damage yourself if you keep pushing on this key. Pain is an important message conductor in the human body, and when those messages don't get conveyed, then the damage that the message was supposed to warn us about, it happens. We need pain sometimes. And uh, I, haven't, I won't claim to have experienced as much pain as, as my sister, what she went through, uh, having walked with, with many of you through difficult circumstances, I know I haven't felt the pain that you've experienced. And even if I had, you know, to, to say to somebody, hey, that pain that you have is actually a good thing, uh, that's not something I would say because I know that in the times where I've felt my deepest pain, if somebody were to say, to, to say the same thing to me, I'd probably punch them in the face and ask them how that pain uh, was a good thing. <laughs> 
<clears throat> but pain does some pretty important things. Uh, one of the things that pain does is it draws others near to us. Sometimes pain reminds us that we need somebody. Pain reminds us that we can't walk and we need somebody to bring us things. But pain uh, makes us cry out. Imagine you're, you're sitting at a playground, there's a bunch of kids running around, going down the slide, climbing on the monkey bars, whatever there is. And naturally, there's a circle of, of parents, mostly mothers, usually in a, in a situation like this. And the mothers are sitting around talking, and they're sort of paying attention, uh, but they're talking to each other, and all of a sudden, there's a cry that comes out from the playground. What happens? Every one of those mothers will look up, will instinctively reach for her diaper bag and get ready to run out to the playground. And only when they realize that it isn't their child will they slow down. But they won't stop yet. They will look around to see if that child's mother is aware of the crying. And if there is no mother that's aware, they will continue running. That is what pain does. Other people's pain sends a message to us that we need to step in. That's an instinct. That's an instinct that we have. Unfortunately, though, we have a secondary instinct that tells us, wait, you don't know what to do. That's not your child. You don't know the words to say to make that person feel better. In fact, you'll probably say something stupid. Don't do anything. Just pull back. But I want to say to you, that's the wrong impulse. When you see somebody in pain and you feel the impulse to run and help them, go with that. If you don't feel an impulse to run and help them, ask yourself why. The next thing that pain does is it shows us that something is wrong. When you wake up in the morning and everything is good, you don't notice that there's anything out of whack. But when you wake up in the morning and you have trouble rolling over, something is wrong. And then you go through in your mind. Did I sleep in a funny position? Did I fall asleep at the wrong angle? Was I working too hard yesterday? You'll go through the list in your mind, and then some of you will just say, nope, that's just how my back works now that I'm over 60 or whatever it is. But something will, t something will clue in, hey, this isn't right. I'm supposed to wake up in comfort, but I've woken up in pain. Something is wrong. I've got to sleep differently. I have to go to bed earlier. I need to stretch these muscles. Something, something is wrong. Finally, the last thing that pain does is it pushes us to find a better world, a better something. When you wake up in the morning, as I have been doing lately with, with a sore throat, then all of a sudden the, the days when I would wake up with a clear throat just seem that much better. And it makes me yearn for, pine for those days. Those days will come soon again when I can wake up and breathe in comfort. That's not today, but maybe tomorrow. Maybe a week from now. It makes us yearn for, push for, reach for that better world. 
Um, There's another passage of scripture that I've been looking at this week. It's part of the Christmas story, um, and it's a little bit small, so I'll, I'll read it for you. This is from the book of Jeremiah, and we read it a little bit later on uh, in the Christmas story uh, in the book of Matthew, but I'll read it for you. It says, The Lord proclaims, A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and wailing. It's Rachel crying for her children. She refuses to be consoled because her children are no more. The Lord proclaims, Keep your voice from crying and your eyes from weeping because your endurance will be rewarded, declares the Lord. They will return from the land of their enemy. There's hope for your future, declares the Lord. Your children will return home. This is the passage that is is quoted in Matthew when it talks about Herod having ordered the children to be killed. Herod is looking for whoever this child is to secure his place on the throne. You see, Christmas is supposed to be a happy time, but there's pain in the middle of it. It says uh, that Herod, uh, Herod was troubled when the wise men came to talk about the new king. Herod was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Herod was angry and all of Jerusalem was afraid. This is supposed to be a happy time. This is supposed to be good news, but to bad men... Good news is not good news. It can be a scary and frightening news for them because it means that their reign of terror, their reign of power is coming to an end. <clears throat> the passage that, that Doris read for us today sounds like a happy passage. Uh, we see an older pregnant woman happily receiving a younger pregnant woman. And she imparts blessings and well wishes on this younger woman, so excited to see her, so excited that even the child in her womb is excited to see her. Elizabeth is feeling excitement and joy, but what is Mary feeling? What is Mary feeling? It says, uh, just leading up to the passage there, that Mary got up and and hurried to the Judean highlands. Was she, did she hurry because she was excited to see Elizabeth? Or did she hurry because there was a limited amount of time before her secret would get out? Mary had understood that this was coming from an angel, but not everybody else would. And so Mary was perhaps afraid Mary was troubled. Mary was starting to feel the shame of her society. And so from that shame that people were placing onto her, Mary sings this song. We can imagine how the story would have gone. She might have broken into song like a, like a Broadway musical. Uh, she might have just spoken this and it got repeated and written down over the years. But it seems to me, reading this story through the lens of pain, that Mary is singing through her pain. And the pain, like I mentioned before, is making her yearn for and strive for that better world. 
And so let's, uh, let's go through this song, just looking through the different parts of it. Uh, in verse 48, on the middle of the slide there, she says, He has looked with favor on the low status of his servant. Look, from now on, everyone will call me highly favored. And your uh, different translations will use different words here. They might be more poetic and more flowery than this. So Mary is looking forward to the beautiful things that will happen as a result of this child. But when somebody says, from now on, things will be different, they are saying, right now, things aren't that great. Right now, they don't call me highly favored. Right now, they call me something else. Mary is singing through her pain. Let's go a little bit farther down. She says, He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Why is this a celebration? This is the kind of thing that Herod would run from. This is the thing that Herod got angry about. And this is the thing that Mary was rejoicing in. We only rejoice in the failure of political systems when that political system has failed us. And so here Mary is celebrating that princes have been pulled down the princes who used their power to harm and destroy. Those princes, they have no power anymore because of God. He has filled the hungry with good things. We, sell, we can only celebrate this when we have experienced hunger. When we don't know the plight of hunger, we cannot sing this as sincerely as Mary is singing it. And then looking down to the bottom there, He has come to the aid, in verse 54, He has come to the aid of his servant Israel, remembering his mercy just as he promised to our ancestors. Mary has experienced the pain of her people, Israel. Mary has experienced the pain of oppression by the Roman occupiers. Mary has experienced the pain of high taxation Uh, from the men in between, like King Herod and the tax collectors. Mary and her people have experienced the pain and the shame of this unjust form of political leadership. But that time is coming to an end, and Mary is rejoicing. But Mary can only rejoice because she has experienced that pain. Christmas is a time of joy and celebration. But that joy and celebration is more clear, more pronounced when we've experienced the pain or something like it that Mary is singing about. Because God could have chosen anyone to to bear his son. God could have chosen any of the families of Israel to welcome the Messiah. He could have chosen Herod's household He could have chosen one of the households of the established religious leaders. He could have even chosen one of the households of of the Roman occupying powers, but he didn't. God chose to send his son into the home 
of a weak and meek and lowly peasant. Because God understood their pain, God understands our pain. And that pain isn't the whole story. When we read the story looking for pain, we will find pain. But there is so much joy in the story that when we reflect back on it, all we see is the joy. That is the Christmas story that I've experienced this year. That is the Christmas story that I'm hoping that you will see this morning. There is pain there, but the pain isn't the whole story. The pain is there giving, uh, highlighting, giving more prominence to the joy that comes as a result. So this Christmas, as we journey towards the stable, we are allowed to bring with us the pain of our lives. And when we do that, we will experience all the more the joy that God has for us. Amen.